You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. The Lord is in the house this morning. He is the one who invited us here, has called us here. And I believe this morning the Lord wants to remove some confusion. I believe this service this morning is to remove some confusion that has infected a few hearts and minds because of turmoil in which you find yourself. Our God is the God of life. He is not the God of death. Our God is the God of hope. He is not the God of despair. Lord, we bring our anxieties, we bring our fear, our confusion to you even now. You are not ashamed of us. Hmm. When we kneel at your feet, you do not turn away in disgust. Instead, like the lady who pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of the garment, you say to those who are reaching for you, stop standing behind me and come in front of me, my son and daughter. This morning, Lord Jesus, we bring confusions to you and we ask through the unction of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word that you penetrate every foggy place. You penetrate every despair. You penetrate everything that hinders us from taking bold steps for you, O Lord. That is our hunger and that is our desire and that is our longing this day. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Uh, foggy places are very, very dangerous. Just earlier in Missouri this week, last week, you might have read about it, uh, just outside Sykeston, Missouri, headed over towards the Kentucky border. Uh, there was about a 140-car pileup. Both sides of the interstate completely clogged with tractor trailers and vehicles. They had to have EMS folks from Missouri, Illinois, and Kentucky bring in uh, enough help. Six people died in the accidents that were there because the fog, they said, you couldn't see beyond 50 feet in front of you. So the cars just piled up because of the density of the fog. You and I live in a world that is fogged on every side. Voices on every side adding an assurance. And they think if they scream louder or say it enough times, it'll be true. And if you're on social media, the things that you click like on social media keeps feeding you the same stuff. Algorithms are written that way. But I am so thankful this morning as it was read, though the mountains shake, though the earth quakes and donations tremble and fall, His Word is forever settled. Jeremiah was writing in a time like this. He, as a prophet, had the, the horror of being able to see what was coming. 
Oftentimes we think a prophet lives a blessed life having such an intimate relationship with God, but actually the life of a prophet is horrible. Because a prophet can see more stuff than everybody else could see. So Jeremiah would waken every morning and as he would look out the barred place of his imprisonment and he could see where the temple was. In his eye, he didn't see a temple. In his eye, he saw a smoldering ash heap. And as he would observe the children dancing in the street, he, he did not hear their laughter. He heard their despair and cry because their parents had been massacred by the Babylonians. So day after day, he gets up and he says, this is what the Lord says. And he would have his scribe write it all down and take it into the king. And you know the story. The king took out his pocket knife and shredded it and threw it in the fire. And instead of shutting up as he tried to, he had to speak it again. So as we look to Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah, hearing the word of the Lord, speaks on the Lord's behalf and says, let's just, let's just cut it down and make it simple. There's two choices. Thus says Yahweh, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from Yahweh. For he shall be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and the salt land and inhabit it. That's option A. Option B is blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree that's planted by the waters, quoting Psalm chapter 1 probably. Planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. No worry in the year of prognostication of it's a year of drought with climate change and problems and neither shall he cease from yielding fruit. So the, the prophet speaks. This is what God says. You got option A leads to desert places and you got option B leads beside still waters where the roots have always have an opportunity to draw moisture from the ground and always have leaves that produce photosynthesis and bring lives and fruit and always while even in desert places brings life. Which do you want? A or B? Duh. It's like my mother saying, which do you want, pizza or liver? No need to give me a choice. Pizza every time. I feel sorry for the liver and onion folk in the house. Some things you don't need a choice, and it seems like that to me, to Jeremiah. However, remember, Jeremiah has the tragedy of being able to see. 
He sees the climate around him. He sees the geopolitical situations that are bringing rise and falls of empire. And each time an empire rises, another homeland is crushed and and ground into powder into the sand and becomes just an artifact of history. That's what happens time after time after time. And Jeremiah says, this is coming to the place where I am. I wish the people, he said, would follow the the blessed path instead of cursed path, because that cursed past, trust in humanity. Why? Can't see God, I'm going to trust people. Can't see God, so I'm going to rely on human strength. Can't see God, so I'm going to let my emotions be carried away from God's purposes and God's design. And of course, that leads to desert places and destruction. And, and Israel had cried out, Judah, sorry, Judah had cried out, God can't destroy Jerusalem. We have a temple there. God won't destroy the temple. That's where his name is. Jeremiah said, I'm sorry, but watch. God can't destroy Jerusalem. Every time the enemies have gotten close, we've prayed and God changes his mind and comes and delivers us. And Jeremiah says, not this time. But God made a prophet with David that there would always be a son sitting on the throne. God can't destroy the throne of David. And Jeremiah said he will because you've chosen plan A. If you'll just choose plan B, if you'll just trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding. The psalmist put it this way, some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots. A horse I can hear, a horse I can see, a horse I can observe its power and its strength, straining against the traces and doing that which it's anticipated to do under the hands of a trained handler. I can see a horse and I can trust a horse, but it seems like in the midnight hour I have no horse and I have no chariot or charioteer and I can't see God in the night hour. But Jeremiah said, would you just put your hope in the one? that you cannot see would you trust him and lean not on your own understanding someone in the house tonight the battle is well pitched and there's fear in your spirit there's confusion in your mind and your emotions and you're wondering can I depend on God one more time the answer is yes you can yes you can yes you can Jeremiah is talking about the blessed place of trusting in the Lord and hoping in the Lord. Hope goes beyond trust because hope sees a day when all is restored. You remember the story of Jeremiah? One day his nephew comes to him and says, uh, hey, bro, uh, that's the Jim Lowe's translation. You probably won't find it that way in yours. <laughs> says, hey, bro, uh, we're headed out of town because the enemy's getting close. You want to buy my house? Imagine you could buy a few houses in Ukraine right now for pretty good price. They came to Jeremiah and said, we're headed out of town because the enemy's breathing down our necks. You want to buy my house? Now, if Jeremiah sees short term, he says, ain't no way. I'm not going to do it. The price of wheat in Jerusalem itself has skyrocketed. If I waste a few shekels that I have, I won't eat tomorrow. If he just saw the short distance. But he was also blessed to see beyond the chaos of today. 
into the brilliance of a tomorrow when it says God's going to restore this place. It's not going to be in my day, but I'm going to take the deed and I'm going to put it in a clay pot and I'm going to seal it up because there's going to come a day when there's going to be life where we thought there was only death. There's going to be hope where we thought there was only despair. There's going to be liberty where we thought there was only slavery. So yes, I can see the pain today, but I can see the hope of the future. So Jeremiah bought the plot, preserving hope for tomorrow. So it's Jeremiah, this powerful prophet, who God says, by the way, y'all shouldn't get married because I'm going to put you in a place where you don't want a family. You're going to be alone. He's wrestled with these two roads and he's chosen the right path himself. But verse number 9 conveys a verse that we frequently quote out of its context. But he says, The heart, it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's a tragedy that in America people say, trust your heart. People ask, should I marry this person or that person? Oh, just... Follow your heart, honey. I know there are no little children in the room, so I can say this dirty word. That's stupid. That's just plumb stupid. Don't follow your heart. Put a roadblock there because your heart is fickle. It's amazing. Folks fall into love. Gravitational pull. Sucks them right into the black hole of love. (laughs) Bends light into its own epicenter, never to release it until somebody falls out of love. Then there's a negative gravitational. The polarity of love switches and then pukes them right out of the pothole of love. Because evidently that wasn't my, my soulmate. But the next one's going to be. My dad had a cousin. She was real good at getting married. She, she did it five times. She was, she was slick. I think she had about a 50th anniversary. Problem is she had to divide it by five. So Good at falling in and falling out of love. Why? Because I'm going to. Follow my heart, baby. That's what I'm going to do. I don't think Jeremiah was talking about everybody else. I think the prophet was talking about himself. I'm at the bottom of the dungeon. My clothes still smell like that pit that the Ethiopian eunuch had to put the cloth down and drag me out. I can still see the crust of the mud that almost sucked me down and suffocated me. I'm wondering today, have I been walking right? I can't even know my own heart anymore. Anybody in the room walk down some paths that after a while you can't even ask, is my heart right? Is my decisions right? Am I walking the right path? Or after a while am I just doing this out of obstinance? There's some obstinate Pentecostals. 
You don't have any here, but we have a few in Dallas. Obstinate Pentecostals, they're Pentecostal because they've been Pentecostal. And one day they felt it was right and believed it was right and trained that it was right. So they're just going to be obstinate in staying Pentecostal. Just like there are obstinate Catholics and obstinate Muslims and obstinate Buddhists and Hindu. Born this way, formed this way, made a decision this way, and now I'm going to stick with this way. Well, Jeremiah, in the midst of the despair, has to say, I'm afraid I can't even know my heart anymore. The despair and the fog closes in around me, and I, I'm being suffocated. I'm, I'm being waterboarded by life. Has anyone been in those places when it seems like the atmosphere closes around you, and every breath is an asthmatic effort to just stay alive? And in those moments, we don't ridicule those who commit suicide because they couldn't take another step. Instead, we say, I pray, dear God, someone's around to stops me if I ever get that far. That's what I'm talking about this morning for Jeremiah. And I'm afraid that in someone in this room today, there's some despair in your spirit. Because I don't know if I can take another step of life. I can take a step of habit. I can take a step of what's comfortable. I can take a step of what's known. But I don't know if I can take a step of joy. And I don't know if I can take a step of hope. And I don't know if I can take a step of life. Because I can't even know my own heart. My message this morning is, the Lord knows. <laughs> the Lord knows. You sang earlier, put it in his hand. I'm asking you right now. Put your hand, heart in the hand of an almighty God because God knows. I don't know how I can go another day. God knows. I don't know if I'm even walking the right path. My God knows. Verse number 10. You can see God's response to the despondent and despairing prophet. I, the Lord, who can know the heart? It's wicked. Verse 10 is the answer to the prophet. I know. I will search your heart. I will try your reins. And I will give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I will search your thinking. I will search your reins. That is your emotions and your motives and I will guarantee you that I will act on your behalf according to that desire that you can't even see anymore. So I'm here this morning to talk to someone that you don't know what to do. God knows. God knows. You're weary and you can't get up anymore. Put your hand in the heart and the hand of an almighty God. He knows. Your emotions are weary and you crumble under the pressure of every day. That's all right because I come today to let you know my God knows exactly where you are and he loves you and he cares for you and he's got you in your hand. 
Brother Littles, it's a confusing world. I know it. It's a world where it's hopeless. I know it. It's a world in which in a moment stock market could crash and I need to retire and I'm going to lose everything. In a moment, the threatenings of what appears to be a madman in the East could launch World War III with nuclear bombs being thrown. I know it. Don't you dare despair this morning, saint of an almighty God. Put your heart right back where it belongs. Don't put it in your news feed. Don't put it in social media. Don't put it in your ability to understand tomorrow. You don't have to understand tomorrow. You just got to know where to put your heart. Put your heart in the hand of an almighty God. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. I'm here to let somebody know it's going to be all right as long as you trust Jesus. Here's the beauty of trusting Jesus. Anything that's in my heart that doesn't belong. He loves me so much. He will find a way to purify that. Verse after verse in Scripture proclaims the Lord is light and in Him there is no darkness. There's not an on switch for light and an off switch for darkness. Too many people are trying to turn off the darkness in their life. Too many people are screaming against the darkness in America. The answer is not stopping the dark. The answer is not stopping evil. The answer is not stopping shame or pain or sorrow that humanity can do to humanity. Instead, the issue is would you just let the light shine abroad in your heart? Would you let light shine through your cracked vessel so that the world can know Jesus and glorify him? Let the light so shine. And it's through situations and even the trial that some of you are going through right now. Trial that some of you are going through right now and you know who you are. The trial you're in right now has a good outcome. The faith that was fragile at the beginning is going to be strong at the end of the road. You went in 14 karat gold. You're coming out 18 karat gold. You went in 18 karat gold. You're coming out... 24 karat gold. Why? Because he has promised to purify you in this season. My heart is deceitful above all things. I don't know why, but they knew where to direct me this morning when I came to Sunday school. The above 40. I don't know what gave the clue. The princess and I celebrated number 42 last month. We were three when we got married. <laughs> then I looked around the room of those who were over 40 and said, hey, some of my kids could even join me in this Sunday school class. <laughs> in that season of time, life has brought some ups and downs, some twists and turns. Some things which I did not anticipate were thrown my way. But as it was sung so beautifully by our sister in two languages, our God has always been faithful to me. My great granny came from to my to see me on my college graduation in 1982. She was at least four feet eleven if she stood absolutely straight tall. She pointed her bony finger at me. Did any of you have grannies like that? 
When they pointed at you, you didn't know where to look. I, she pointed her finger, I think it was at me. I think it was at me, and my great-granny says, God's always been good to me. In my dress, desk drawer at home, I have a little envelope, and in that envelope are six pennies. Those six pennies came from the eyes of her children who died before they were two. Back in the day, you would take your babies into your home, and no funeral homes, you would just take your baby into the living room, and you would put pennies on their eyes to keep their eyes closed. I have the six pennies in my desk at home. But the little lady with the crooked finger says, God's been good to me. Somewhere along the line, she says, I'm going to quit analyzing my heart and let God do it. Somewhere along the line, when her husband, who was baptized with her in the 1920s and then was a scoundrel until 1974, 50 years of a scoundrel, his birthing canal was very long. He was baptized in Jesus' name in 1920-something and got the Holy Ghost in 1974. That's one long birthing canal. <laughs> but somewhere in that journey, my great-granny decided, this walk is too much for me to handle on my own. I'm going to decide... That every step I take, Lord, this step's for you. This step's for you. I could get angry at my husband. I could get angry at you. I could get angry at a world that allows babies to be born in houses without heating and where wind whips through in the wintertime and they die in the middle. I could get angry at a world that doesn't know how to treat the poor. But somewhere along the line, my granny decided, my heart belongs to Jesus. So I will not abide in fear, and I will not abide in hatred, and I will remember the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> Nobody knows my great granny. She came from a very small town of 400 people in southeast Missouri. However... There's a book that has her name written in it. There's a book where her Savior said, <laughs> Miss McNew, I know where you are. and You put your heart in my hand and you walk solid in me. I'm going to engrave your name in my book and nobody can take it out. Prophet goes on, verse number 12, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Our place of worship is at the very throne room of an almighty God. This morning, Calvary Church, there's a throne room here right now. And if you dare to perceive that throne room is inviting someone in their chaos and despair to trust your heart, to the one who sits on the throne. The pieces that are right, he will leave it there. And the pieces that bring you confusion and despair, if you will trust him, he is the best open heart surgeon. He is the best open heart surgeon.
He takes out the stony and he puts in those which can handle his law. He takes out that which is selfish and puts in hearts that are motivated by compassion for those that are in need. If you let Jesus, he will leave the good parts in you. And he will excise all that brings you despair. Would you stand with me this morning in the throne room, in the throne room of heaven? The prophet saw his city burn. You can read about it in Lamentations. It's, it's a funeral dirge. It's a funeral procession, five chapters. The middle chapter, which math tells me that's number three. The middle chapter, the middle verses of the middle chapter, there's, there's this amazing, amazing verse. His mercies are new <laughs> every morning. There might even be an obstinate, semi-obstinate Pentecostal in the room. You're here just because you know it's the right thing to do and there's some despair in your spirit. I come to let you know this day is filled with the mercies of an amazing God. He's not ashamed by your doubt. He's not ashamed by your fear. He's not ashamed by your sorrow. He's not ashamed by a choice you made yesterday which was not right. Instead, he says, would you let me try your heart? Would you let me help you retain that which is good? And would you let me cut away that which is bringing you so much pain? Would you just bring your heart to me? Let me work on you. Lord Jesus, in this room this morning, all of us at one point and another have despaired on which way to go and which step to take. But this day we hear your voice that says that you know. And oh, how comforting that is. Because you know when I'm a sinner and you know how to cleanse me and purify me. And you know when I'm weary and can't take another step and your merciful hand holds me and restores me. And you know when my mind is wearied with confusion and you come and bring the clarity of what matters. Trust in you and hope in you. I pray right now under the unction of the Holy Spirit that every single despair rise to the surface. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, because we are in your throne room, I can pray this prayer. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, would you let every despair, every shame, every sorrow, every pain, every uncertainty, would you reveal that to us right now and bring it to the surface? Because in your presence... We can trust you with everything that we have. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This altar is open. Would you come and say, Lord, here's my heart. <laughs> I put it in your hand. I've desired to do the righteous. But the confusion has made me wonder, did I really take the right step? Was my baptism really the right choice? Was receiving the Holy Spirit really the right thing? Or was I just, was I just manipulated by some preacher? Right now, Lord Jesus, I put my heart in your hand. I give you my despair. I give you my pain. I give you my sorrow. And I know that you are faithful. 
You will cut away everything that needs to go. And I will be left with hope. I will be left with peace. I will be left with comfort and trusting in you. In Jesus' name I pray. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.